to always get the latest Game Tea, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at The Game Tea Podcast. We post frequently, giving you podcast updates, posting gaming news, and the occasional meme. Check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. I'm Zach. And this is the second episode. Zar is still on his honeymoon from the wedding. We miss him. We miss you, buddy. Hi, I'm Zar, and I can't read. That joke never gets old. <laughs> nope, never. Not once. We're going to try something new this week. Are you ready? I like trying new things. What are we doing? We're going to take a new take on game conferences and YouTube videos. So we've gotten some feedback that it is... Sometimes difficult to put you in the actual YouTube atmosphere. So we're going to continue to leak that, link those videos and things to our social media pages. So please keep following those. Instead of going through everything piece by piece, we're just going to pick out three of our favorites each um, from the two conferences that happened last week. Now you say conf- you say conferences, Zach, uh, but we got to be specific here. There were two, in my opinion, really good There was one pretty good event and one fantastic event. And what were those events? All right. So the one fantastic event was the Nintendo Mini Direct. That's the one you were getting at, right, JP? I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. All right. All right. So maybe that was the pretty good one. And Sony had the fantastic event because it was pretty darn fire. But I was telling you how much I liked Nintendo's event, too. I mean, I know we're getting more and more skeptical about what we can expect in these uh, quote unquote partner showcases. But... I don't know. This one actually caught me by surprise. There was some cool stuff in there. It definitely helps when you set the bar very low like Nintendo did. So, hey, (laughs) shout out to Nintendo. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right. And so at the very end, we'll kind of do a quick overview of all the games that were announced. And then if we miss a game that you think we should have talked about, please let us know on our social media. If we're missing a sleeper hit, we'd like to know about it. Zach, I would love it if you went first. So we're talking about the two major events. We're talking about some of our favorite games. Zach, What was one of the things that blew you away about your event? So the game that I'm picking is Deathloop. Deathloop is being made by Bethesda Games, and it is a Bethesda, huh? Yeah. So, you know, there'll probably be some bugs, but it looks neat. It's an action-adventure titled game, um, and it's supposed to be releasing late next spring. The thing that really hooked me to this game is that it has a 70s spy vibe. I just think that's so cool because it's got, like, the 70s, like, theme music. It's got, like, the the whole je ne sais quoi. Of those 70s spy films. Uh-huh. Really cool abilities. Like, you're gonna be able to kill like baddies. You're kind of like your own little superhero as you like time travel. You can like teleport and do all these things as cult. And yeah, I think with that, JP, was there anything? Did you see Deathloop? What did you think about it? It's definitely one of the more hyped up games. Deathloop is, um, we got a bunch of new games in the latest uh, PlayStation showcase, and we honestly did not see that coming. We thought it was going to be just like a recap of some stuff, uh, plus maybe some specs, maybe the price. But no, they introduced a lot of new stuff. But Deathloop is one of the games that they actually showed off a little bit in the first event that took place a couple months ago at this point and the most recent event. And you're not wrong. 
The art style is definitely one of the selling points about the game. It, 70s, like kind of spy art styles, you nailed it on the head. It's got that wacky spy theme music and that those weird like silhouette walking art styles for the slide transitions. But then the gameplay was actually, in my opinion, kind of reminiscent of like Borderlands type art style. Really flashy, really well thought um, fighting. And that's pretty much what caught my eye about that. On top of it, it seems like it has a really interesting premise for the story. Did you get a little bit of that, Zach? Yeah, and I really like how you described it like Borderlands. Totally got those vibes too. Yeah, you got those vibes, right? Uh, I, I thought it was vibes. cool. The hero is Colt. It's a man who wakes up every day the target of a manhunt on a chaotic island of Black Reef. And basically the catch, why it's called Death Loop, is every day is the same thanks to a mysterious time loop. And the only way to break the loop, as Colt has said, is you have to kill all eight targets in under 24 hours. And they kind of gave us a look at two of them in this trailer. It was like Edgar C. Segan. C I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. Serling. <laughs> and he pretty yeah. much has this mad scientist vibe. And I really like it. And then there was Alexis, who is like in this. He's like a cannibal leader of a gang of wolves. Really cool. And it looks really neat. And it looks like you're trying to set all these people up to be like the same general area so you can knock them all out at the same time. Otherwise, the loop will reset. Now, kind of the big twist here is you're being haunted at the same time by Juliana Blake. And her number one goal is to end you. And so it's kind of like you're the predator, but you're also the prey. It's almost like those old, you remember those spy versus spy comics from Mad? Yes, yes, JP. Right? We are so on the same wavelength about this one. That's exactly what I'm getting. One big question mark I have is the multiplayer. And so what they have on the website is that there's basically called a switcheroonie. And Colt can basically, if I feel like messing with JP one day, I can take the role as Juliana and headshot JP from like across the map. If I really feel like getting on him. Hell yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for this JP guy. <laughs> yeah, he's screwed, man. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's why I'm interested. The spy versus spy, the Borderlands combat, and then like the just really cool spy theme. I think it's really got a lot going for it. It's a game that knows what it is. And so I'm excited to play it and see what it's like. And the combat seems like semi fast paced too. It's like one of those games where I think you can kind of decide like, how to take people out and i'm really excited for that that's all i got on death loop what do you got uh what do you want to talk about all right so the first one i'm gonna do is also from the playstation showcase that took place last week in my opinion this was the biggest mind fuck of the entire trailer and that is hogwarts legacy zach did you see this game okay so i knew there was rumors about like a harry potter game coming out but obviously being harry potter I was like, eh, I have nothing big for that. JP, I think I was wrong. What did you think about this game? I think it is everything I wanted a Harry Potter game to be and more. So Harry Potter games, uh, according to a lot of the YouTubers that I've liked to watch, when they saw this, they started reminiscing about some of the older Harry Potter games. And even though they didn't always look the best, do you remember those photos of Hagrid from the PlayStation 2? <laughs> Harry Potter game. Yeah, man, he was one creepy fuck, man. Oh, yeah. Besides that, though, the games were really, really good. So here's what I actually really like about this game. The premise is you're in Hogwarts and you're a student there. And it, I don't know how much Harry Potter himself and like the gang, you know, from the movies are involved or how much, you know, how much they're involved with this game. But I like the idea that it's not a whole lot. 
I like the idea that like you get to go to Hogwarts and you get to have your own adventure. And that's what this game seems to be. It's like you get to make a character, I think, and then you get to you get to go through the sorting, you get to go into a house, you get to take classes and learn about the castle, find its secrets, travel outside of the castle into the amazing world. It's almost amazing to me that it's taken this long for a game like this to come out. And it depends on how big of a Harry Potter fan you are, honestly. I would consider myself a pretty moderate Harry Potter fan. I'm not a huge fan by any means. Being a moderate Harry Potter fan, I got super excited to see this game. I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan. I've read the books, I've watched the movies, but there's some people who like cosplay and all that stuff and like power to them. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. Like I, I'm totally like Harry Potter's cool. And holy crap, you're so right. Like how come it took so long for them to make a game where you get to be your own Harry Potter, basically? Like you get to create your own magical experience. And I think you already have this world that's been built up. Like now we can hopefully explore it and all the things that it has in it. That's exactly right. Like, it seems like such an obvious great game to make. I think they were waiting essentially for the ability to make the graphics look as great as they possibly could. That's got to be it, because I mean, like just even watching the trailer like I'm doing right now as I'm talking about it, it looks fantastic. And I mean, like if it if you have a Harry Potter game, that's more about building your own story and really taking in like the beauty of the castle and the grounds around the castle and what you're doing. You know, graphics add a lot to this game. And so maybe they were waiting for an opportunity to really have, you know, the best hardware they could possibly have. But either way, they're making a fantastic looking game. I can't wait to see what they do with it. And yeah, that is my one hype up. Hey, my next game is coming from <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> Wahoo! Yippee! Monster Hunter Rise is a brand new Monster Hunter game that's built for the ground up for the Nintendo Switch. It's coming to the Nintendo Switch on March 26th. And I think the coolest thing, JP, is it has it's focused on having a seamless map. So it's not like Monster Hunter World, where it's like an open world thing. It's like just that seamless map. So you accept your quest and then you go into a map. And but what I thought was the, the feature that really got me excited was the new grappling hook system. They're called wire bugs, unless you swing around like Spider-Man. So you can- Oh really yeah, I saw that. That <laughs> it makes you feel like shout out to IGN. Making dank memes since 1999. Just kidding, I don't know when that comes. <laughs> um, and I just think it's really exciting that I don't know, Switch has always gotten like ports of games. But now we're at the point where Switch should be getting some games that were developed specifically for it. You know what I mean? Like they've had plenty of time now. Um, so seeing like a Monster Hunter game that wasn't just ported and sadly usually downgraded from the PS4 or Xbox One to the Switch, instead it's being developed specifically for the Switch. I just think that's pretty neat. And on top of that, I think this game looks really good, JP. I have a weird relationship with Monster Hunter. I've never played any of the games by myself. But I've watched a lot of gameplay and it looks like a ton of fun. At least the first Monster Hunters did. I don't know why I didn't pick it up. I think it's just like more games took precedent to play over this one. But yeah, you really do have a fantastic looking game here with a fantastic concept. And now just like the mobility that they're adding to the game, along with I'm sure like more monsters. Uh, more people to meet, more places to explore. Look at this guy climb. He makes Link from Breath of the Wild look awful. Makes you, he looks like Spider-Man, JP. Makes you feel like Spider-Man. <laughs> and JP, I didn't even mention the best part. Are you ready for this shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a new 
dog-like companion slash mount called the Palamute. I saw him. He's so cute. He is what we call a good boy. Or girl. All right. We don't discriminate on the Game Tea podcast. Good dog is great dog. And so I'm suit. This sounds like just the Monster Hunter game like that was made specifically for me. So I'm going to have to get it. Um, because I'm a big dog guy and um, I get to feel like Spider-Man and I get to hunt monsters. They showed off some of the monsters. They looked really cool. I think Magnamello, Magnamalo is the, the cover of our monster. Yeah. And so he, he looks pretty awesome. And I think that's really all I got to say on that one. It just looks like a really cool built from the ground up Nintendo Switch game with a large seamless map. What more do you want? If you like Monster Hunter, you're going to like this. If you haven't played Monster Hunter, it is a, it's a good series. It just, it can be a little difficult to get into. So here's to seeing uh, what else we'll learn about before it comes out on March 30, March 26, 2021. I am all, for my second game, I'm also going to be doing a little bit of Nintendo. We are going to be talking, or I want to talk about Ori and the Will of the Wisps. First of all, I know a very good friend of the podcast that goes by one Mr. Peaches who's probably screaming that I'm finally talking about Ori and the Will of the Wisps because he asks every week, when are you going to talk about Ori and the Will of the Wisps? This is it. This is the day. It's, it's now. It's now, Peaches. Shout out to Peaches, but I hate mangoes. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually the last trailer that they put into the event was Ori and the Will of the Wisps, and I thought it was a great way to end the event because I know that people have been asking for Ori and the Will of the Wisps on, a sw- on the Switch for a while now, And Ori and the Will of the Wisps is a game that belongs on the Switch. I mean, this is Switch material right here. It's a great platformer. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's got a really great story with really cute characters. I don't know why it took so long to get over to the Switch, but I'm very happy that it's finally happening. And now for so many people, they get to take this game on the go. That's really the beauty of the Switch. And I know that's obvious, but I think we take that for granted at this point that you get such high quality games like this and so many others on the go. You know what I mean, Zach? I just, that's my favorite part of Switch is just like, and maybe poor Billy kind of is overvalued in my eyes, but I feel like I'm touching next generation. Like, you know, I feel. Or in the Will Wisps is one that came out uh, recently. Like that was a this year game, right? Yeah, it launched earlier this year, originally coming to PC and Xbox. I don't remember if it dropped on PlayStation 4 at the same time, but it was incredibly highly anticipated. It's weird because it's like, it's too popular to be considered a cult classic, but not popular enough to where I feel like people don't talk about it nearly as much as they should. Fans of indie games are going to love Ori and the Will of the Wisps. You have, and I mean, they've all probably already played Ori and the Blind Forest anyway. And this is very much just a sequel to it. Like, it takes place right after Ori and the Blind Forest. Um, the difference being, like, you get different combat options and, like, uh, different powers, different abilities. Dude, the fights! Like, don't let Ori and the Will of the Wisps fool you. It looks like a super cutesy game with a super cutesy art style. This main character that looks sweet as gumdrops, but some of these boss fights that I'm watching look brutal. Never sleep on indie games. After after playing Cuphead, JP knows all about torture. Oh my god. I can't tell if if it was uh, Cuphead or Getting Over It that made me lose my mind. Getting Over It was that... <laughs> do you remember that game where you're in a cauldron and you're using a sledgehammer to get up this mountain of just random crap? Did you ever see that? Oh, Zach. Oh, buddy. I'll show it to you later. So... Yeah, Ori and the Will of the Wisps is officially coming to Nintendo Switch. It's available now. In fact, if you're looking for a great platformer, 
with a fantastic art style, great mechanics. I can't think of a game that deserves to be played before Ori and the Will of the Wisps in that regard. It looks like so much fun. I, I haven't played it yet. I'm definitely picking that up here very soon. As soon as I get through this stupid backlog. It's the backlog I really ever in, JP. No, Zach. No, it doesn't. Finally, my third game that I am most excited for, and this one's kind of a shout out to Zarfer, is Resident Evil Village. Ooh, you're taking a look at Resident Evil Village, huh? Yeah, GP, I was so creeped out from this trailer. I like the good kind of creeped out. I was like, ooh, this is like, I want to go see what's in there, but I know it's not going to be good. You know what I mean? It's not going to be puppies and rainbows, Zach. They really have this old gothic castle, like, feel to it. I feel like I'm using feel a lot, but like it just has that theme going for it. Like it's this old gothic forest that's surrounded, has like a castle in the middle. But then you're also going in the future where you're like talking to your wife in a nice suburban home. I feel like they're really having a focus on mind games along with that old gothic castle vibe. I think that this is a true testament to seeing how far Resident Evil has come. Resident Evil Biohazard, which uh, came out just a few years ago as well, was a fantastic horror game, but got a lot of flack because like the hardcore Resident Evil fans, like it wasn't made like other Resident Evil games, being from the first person perspective. I think that Resident Evil needed to evolve. There is nothing wrong with the older Resident Evil titles. They are classics in the horror genre, but they had problems. And, or I like the direction that Resident Evil games are taking now. Resident Evil Village looks terrifying, dude. Absolutely terrifying. Zach, you kind of got it right with like the, uh, the, well, I guess the village, obviously, with like the creepy people and like the story of what's going on too. It just, it, it all looks really, really great. And it's so interesting to see how Resident Evil got to this point. So I'm glad you're talking about this game. So things that stuck out, you saw uh, quick glances of werewolves, witches, monsters. It just seems like it's going to be creepy. It's going to be culty. And you're going to have a good, bad time. You're going to have a good, bad time. And with that, I think that's really all I got to say about Resident Evil Village. I don't know too much about Resident Evil. Czar will can probably fill us in, I'm sure, as a closer to that release date. He'll tell us all the intricacies that I missed. <laughs> yeah, Czar's yelling right now. It's a... Uh, well, I got a couple questions for you, and that is like... So, you really like what you're seeing with Resident Evil, but are you actually planning on picking it up? When I get my PS5 in, you know, the distant future. Yeah. I just can't see you playing horror games. I've got Resident Evil 4 and Outlast sitting on my Switch, JP. Have you played them? I started both of them. <laughs> I got to the front door and I turned the game off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not fair, but that's very accurate. I got into the building and I was like, oh, you know, I got to go watch this uh, football game yeah. or something. Yeah, it's like, ah, you know. <laughs> I gotta go uh, do stuff that makes me look tough. <laughs> Insert tough stuff here. I chopped wood. That's what I did. I, I chopped some wood. I go chop wood. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the great thing about Resident Evil, Zach. Where the game is now, you don't need prior knowledge on the series to hop into any game. So, like, if this game looks good to you, Resident Evil Village, and, and you haven't played a Resident Evil game before and you're like, well, I don't know if I can pick it up because I've never played any of the other ones. Trust me, that does not matter. You can pick up at any point in the series and have yourself a good time. So uh, what Zach say? A good, bad time? A good, bad time. And with that, JP, give me a game that won't be so scary. 
Won't be, won't be so scared. The last game that I want to talk about, and the reason why I'm talking about this last is because I actually called this a little bit. I really thought that this was going to make it into the trailer, and that is Marvel Spider-Man's Miles Morales. Now, PlayStation has had a lot of great IPs. Spider-Man is definitely... I don't know if Spider-Man's probably my favorite, the Spider-Man franchise. I mean, God of War is also way up there, but I absolutely loved Spider-Man. I honestly don't know which one I'd pick, but it doesn't matter at this point because we have a look at what the PlayStation 5 is about to do for the next generation of Spider-Man. And Zach, you know what it is? What? It makes you feel like Spider-Man. Oh yeah, JP. So I guess spoiler for a game that's three years old at this point, Miles Morales is the uh, other kid that gets bit by the radioactive spider that bit Peter Parker um, in the first Spider-Man game. And at the very end credit scene of uh, the first Spider-Man game, you see a scene between Miles Morales and Peter Parker where Miles Morales doesn't know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but shows Peter these weird powers that he just got after coincidentally being bit by the spider. And he's crawling on walls in the ceiling going crazy, huh? And then Peter Parker jumps up on the ceiling with him and goes, actually, it's not that crazy at all. And it was really badass. It was a really cool way to end the game. And I, it made me happy because in the comics, um, spy, you know, Miles Morales exists in a bunch of Spider-Man comics. And obviously, if you've seen like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which, by the way, is the best animated movie ever made, fight me, then you know that in most places where Miles Morales exists, Peter Parker died. But this is one of the only times where Peter Parker and Miles Morales live, like coexist in the same world together. I'm really excited to see how that dynamic works out. Or, but even besides that, the trailer for Miles Morales was so hype. This is another game that's showing exactly what the solid state drive for the PlayStation 5 is about to do, Zach. I mean, like, look at the fight scene that's taking place on the bridge. Do you see how much stuff is going on? Uh, no, JP, I get uh, overloaded by all the colors. It looks pretty. It looks nice. It looks neat. Mm-hmm. This is really gonna just boast what that solid state drive can do. Beyond that, the colors look beautiful. Spider-Man's combat was already fantastic, but Miles Morales looks like it just upped the ante even more with some cooler powers and some cooler things you can do with your web tricks and web shooters. This whole bridge fight scene in the trailer really sums up how the game's going to be. It's going to be just as good as the first one, if not better. So I am very, very psyched for it. Zach, I mean, that was the hardest part. We were about to leave for Zar's wedding last week. It was a day before the PlayStation event, or no, it was a day before the PlayStation event dropped. And then I left for Carney. Literally, the first thing I did in the morning was I watched the Nintendo event. I just, I barely had time to process any of what was going on because I knew I had to go leave for uh, Zar's wedding. Right. But holy shit, like actually being here with you now and looking at all the great stuff that PlayStation and Nintendo did last week, because this is just our favorites, by the way. They both right. did some fantastic stuff. And, you know, I think that's the exciting part is I feel like this COVID stuff's kind of winding down a little bit. I feel like this COVID stuff is winding down a little bit. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know we're going to get hit with a wave two because that's just how life seems to work, especially when it gets cold. And then wave three and then wave four. And the PlayStation. Okay, so I feel like we've had a little bit of bits and pieces of news, but this felt like an E3. That was a really enjoyable time. The thing we have to talk about, Zach, and I have a big question that, that I'm honestly a little afraid to get the answer to. 
if COVID-19 has taught these gaming companies anything, it's that they don't need E3 to have these big, fantastic showcases. And in fact, it might even be better for them because they get to flaunt just their console and make it more accessible to people. Uh, hypothetically, please don't be sad. Do you think COVID-19 killed E3? I think E3 was already dying. I mean, you had the Nintendo Directs and all that stuff. And I feel like that was really taking off. Then you had the Xbox Play, Xbox. It's, what is it just called? Xbox Showcase? Is that really what it's just called? Xbox Direct? <laughs> the Xbox Direct. And, and, you, and then there was the Sony State of Play. So, I mean, it was definitely going the way of the Dodo. And I mean, you are right that these things existed, but I really feel like, except for Nintendo, because they've been weird for the last year. Hey. Come on, you know it's true. And you know what? Even Nintendo at points, they've been learning how to really utilize the tools at their disposal to make like their own showcases. And you you are right where E3 was already starting to die anyway. And at some point it was probably going to end. But this definitely put the nail in the coffin a lot faster. And I honestly don't know how to feel about that. You know, like it's sad that this event that brought so much happiness via gaming might be on its way out. But on the other hand, every one of these gaming companies have really stepped up their game with how they're doing these online events. And it makes me really happy for them and sad at the same time for E3. I don't know. Like, does you know what I'm feeling? I know what you're feeling. Kind of bittersweet. I like that we're getting more information and we don't have to wait until June first or second week of June, whenever it happens. But I'm also like, it was nice to know that there was one gaming event they could always look forward to because, you know, companies like uh, Nintendo don't always just do it right away. They kind of wait by their own thing. And sometimes you're waiting a whole year till you get information. If I have anything good to say about Nintendo, it is this. They really march to the beat of their own drum and they kick ass while they do it. Nintendo is the most innovative game company in the world, all right? Like, Nintendo, they they need to get their poop in a group like you. That's my favorite saying that I've learned from Zach. Got that from my wife. Shout out to Krista. Shout out to Krista. But I mean, like, with both of these events, you we really got shown some good stuff. Now, Zach, before we wrap it up for the day, do you have any honorable mentions from Nintendo's side that you wanted to talk about? Um, the Hades game, it's not a Nintendo exclusive because it was on Steam before, but it just hit a million downloads and it's a nice indie gym, mm. I would say. Give it uh, up for the Nindies. It, it looks really fun. Definitely a game that I would like. Honestly, the rest of those games, like I'm sure they got their niche audience, but those were the highlights that I would go with. Um, the partner showcases, they're usually very short and sweet. This is the best uh, partner showcase we've gotten so far, by the way. The first one was absolute garbage. And, and, you know, I maybe hyped up a little bit too much, so... Uh, It's not your fault. We talked about this on the car ride back from Zara's wedding the other night. You Technically, you were right. There was a Nintendo Direct that happened that week. We just didn't know what to expect, and frankly, I don't put that on you or anybody who's, like, good at guessing when these events happen. It's just the way it is. But I was right, right? Yeah, Zach, I'll give it. You were right, buddy. You're always Ah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks. Okay, now what about PlayStation? All right, so a couple honorable mentions for me. Final Fantasy 16. I did not see this drop coming. Zach, this really looks like your kind of game. I'm surprised you're not more excited about it. Uh, You know, there's just so much to be excited about. It was kind of hard. I mean, Final Fantasy definitely feels like a been there, done that kind of thing sometimes. So I'm sure once the reviews come out, 
and they show me what they've been working so hard on, it'll be something that I'm like, oh, I should have slept on it because I always love me some good RPGs. And that is what Final Fantasy is in the day. It's usually almost always a great RPG. And you know what? That's a fair point. And uh, also Final Fantasy 16, same thing res- with uh, Resident Evil Village. You do not need to play the first 15 Final Fantasies to know what's going on in Final Fantasy 16. You can pick up pretty much wherever you want. This game looks fantastic, beautiful, great fighting. Final Fantasy always kills it with the combat. So I'm really excited to see what they do. And on top of that, a really good looking story too. Other than that, um, I also, okay, low key, I really like the Five Nights at Freddy's franchise. Oh, JP. No, hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> Do, hear me out. Do not cast your stones yet. I remember back in 2015 when Five Nights at Freddy's first dropped, and I watched Markiplier play it on his channel. For the Dude, the first Five Nights at Freddy's was revolutionary. I loved that game. And yeah, it got pretty hacky after that. But during like the fit, like the fourth and fifth games and start some of the spinoffs, it really started to pick back up. And even, you know, the game theorists with MatPat, I always watched his videos with Five Nights at Freddy's. We saw a new Five Nights at Freddy's game um, with this PlayStation event. And it looks horrifying. It looks like fun. It's, oh my God. I don't know what it is about animatronics, but I don't look at them the same way anymore. You have ruined Chuck E. Cheese for me. I think Chuck E. Cheese ruined themselves. But yeah, JP, you right, you're, you're right. Use right, use right. I just can't let go, man. So Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach also looks like it's going to be really, really good. Fight me. Fight me. All right. I think that's all we got for the Game Team Podcast. What do you got? What do you think, JP? Oh, I think there is not enough time in the day to talk about all the crazy gaming stuff that's been happening lately. It's so exciting. All right. Now, I think we're done here, Zach. Anything else you want to talk about? Love you. I love you, too. I love I love this podcast. And I miss Zar. But he is enjoying a very pleasant honeymoon with his new wife, Lauren. By the way, we posted a picture last week on the Game Tea Twitter. Um, if you wanted to go and congratulate Zar on a very beautiful marriage and a great wedding, head on over there. Tell Zar you love him. He won't be able to read your tweet, but that's okay. It's time to end this. Also, I'm tired. I traveled this morning. I got up at 7.30 to get on the road, and then I worked. Oh, my God. road again. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We will see you in the next episode. Bye.